it's so cold outside, but it's warm, at Combat Ops Arena on Lay Road. Yes, I'm going to keep on saying it because they sponsor this podcast each and every week. We know it's going to be cold this week, but uh, bundle up, get on over to Combat Ops Arena, and you can run around and you can heat up uh, because they've got bowling, they have got laser tag, they have got axe throwing, and a fantastic arcade. Anything you want to do for fun to keep you busy on those cold, cold winter days. So go to Combat Ops Arena. It is on Lay Road. All right, it is time now for another episode of this wonderful podcast. A good Tuesday to everyone. Thank you for joining us here on the Combat Ops Arena Comets podcast. I know it is freezing outside, but luckily you have this show to keep you warm until spring because that's when we're going to keep on doing it until spring. Today on this show, we have got Blake Sebring. I know a lot of people have been asking me, what is Blake up to? Well, you're going to find out. Blake Sebring, of course, the former beat writer for the New Sentinel, no longer covering the Comets, but he is certainly with us in spirit. He is still a Comet fan at heart, and uh, unfortunately, you know, things change in the newspaper business, so Blake no longer doing that, so we catch up with him, see what he's doing. We talk about, you know, some great Comet stories. Uh, We just talk about, you know, the past in general. I've been friends with Blake for decades. We go way, way back. Of course, our connection with Bob Chase. He was very close with Bob, as was I. So we talk a little bit about that. And, uh, you know, we talk about journalism in general. So it was uh, quite uh, a good talk with Blake Sebring. And I was glad to sit down and talk to my buddy. And I hope everybody enjoys this. So here is Blake Sebring on the Combat Ops Arena Comet Podcast. kind of like semi-retirement it really is because um it's it's kind of been that way yeah i mean it's 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 a difficult situation you know if those of you who don't know what happened you know the new sentinel it was worse than you ever imagined right <laughs> right right you know I, I just i'm not in jail though right you know. he is right blake is out and about and available for all kinds of tasks if you uh give him a call uh <laughs> <laughs> But no, I mean it's you know Blake unfortunately lost lost his uh, position uh, at the New Sentinel when the New Sentinel now they didn't go out of business they're online but yet the the reporters I like were... to think they slipped into purgatory there you hell. go How's there you that? go there you yeah go. they basically they made it a blog instead of a newspaper How's right that? Yeah, right and that's essentially what it is but unfortunately Blake was one of the casualties but you know it's something the newspaper business you know it's a, been volatile for many years i mean are you somewhat surprised that you actually managed to hang on for that long considering how much it's changed um you know i never really thought of it that way i was i was uh i looked at it more of you knew something was coming because of the way they were running the business 
that there wasn't a long-term future there. You were just kind of wondering when the axe was going to fall. And then when it did, I was kind of relieved right. in a way because I felt responsibility to maintain standards and help keep the place going. And, and it was – I didn't realize the stress I was under, right. if that makes sense. Right. Um, and then it took about a couple weeks, and I realized, wow, I'm sleeping better, and <laughs> uh, I'm not thinking about work all the blasted time. Right. You know, I mean, I Saturday and Sunday, people have these days <laughs> off. You know, I mean, it was kind of it was a it was an adjustment. It really was. Um, and it was like, and you can do things like for for fun on Friday and Saturday and nights. <laughs> really, really, you know. I yeah, mean, yeah. So that was different. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but you were with the paper uh, 35 oh, years? At least, yeah. I mean, yeah. I was, yeah. Reggie yeah. Hayes and I used to talk about we'd be the last two guys there to turn the lights off. Right, you know, and, right. And that's kind of what happened, you know. So, uh, Blake, uh, you know, you took over the beat for, you know, Bud Gallmeyer way back in the day. So let's let's – Okay. Let's rewind a little bit. I of I course, turned it down. How's that? There you, okay, so this is what I was going to ask. So yeah, you. I turned it down. Yeah, because uh, that'd be like who wanted to follow Bobby Knight at IU? Who wanted to follow Bob? Who, Chase? who wanted to follow Bob? But Chase? I was the one. That who wanted to follow Hillier Gates? <laughs> right. You know, and right. I'm like, <laughs> I just laughed. I said, I was like. 26 you know i'm yeah. like i was like yeah you guys are funny you know yeah try to tell sell me another one you know i mean yeah. Eh, yeah that ain't happening and then they're like well you really have no choice in the matter and then oh okay so it was a crash course in all things comet and i must have called bud once a day for two years <laughs> you know his wife wouldn't even answer the phone sometimes because she knew it was me and um yeah, and and luckily it was the time when the Franke ownership took over and and got along okay with them and and things went well and and uh, Ed Rose took me under his wing and taught me as much as I could possibly learn and it was just you know okay the more I got into it the deeper I got yeah. into it the more you could find the texture of it you could you know this place has been around for forty years there aren't that many businesses in Fort Wayne that have been around for forty years at that point. And you could understand the culture of it. And it is a culture. It's not just a team. It's not just an entertainment option. It is a, it is a culture. Um, it is a subset of our society in Fort Wayne. It's important to Fort Wayne. Yeah, and it's something that, of course, you were given that task, uh, having you know, given it away, or, or Bud Goldmeyer given it to you. And then, of course, I took over for Bob Chase, just like you said. It's a crazy set of circumstances. But, you know, since you've been doing it so 35 years now, it's kind of hard to put that in perspective, that it, you were just a kid doing that. And Bud right. Goldmeyer had been doing it for 30 years or, or whatever it was up to that point. So, And I always thought of it, too, as you weren't just covering this year's team. You were responsible right. for the whole history of the comets. I mean, if uh, um, you know, if there was a story to tell about Eddie Long or Len Thornton or something that happened back in the day, or Bob, you know, I mean, or if some of those old time uh, comets passed away, I felt responsibility for them. I mean, I di I always tell people um, I didn't want to have to write the obits, but I wasn't going to let anybody else do them either, right. you know, because I wanted to do them right and and give them the due that they deserved. You know, I didn't enjoy them, but I also I, I owed it to those guys, you know, in a way to do it well and do it right. And you were always kind of the unofficial historian in a way, because if there is something that we don't have here at the Comet office related to any type of history, we could call Blake. Either Blake had already researched it or he would know <laughs> where to get the information. 
Well, it was funny because now people pat miller says i'm an expert on the comets i'm like no no i knew who to talk to though right you know i could call eddie mr memory and yeah. eddie never forgets anything or i could call lenny or i could call lionel i could call reggie and okay now all but a few of those guys are gone it's like i'm so glad i did it then yeah when they were still around so i could be a pain in their rear ends and say <laughs> what do you remember about this and and uh so that was why i wrote fort wayne sports history is we already lost bud and Hilliard and, and Bob was getting up there and you know we'd lost Len Davis and it's like we were going to lose all this tremendous history this treasure trove of Fort Wayne history and it's like I can't let that happen I got to put it all in one yeah. space so at least it's there if somebody wants yeah. it later you know yeah and that's kind of how I felt about the comics books is I needed to put it all in one place so that it was available if someone needed it kind of thing so Blake's been a very important part of common hockey, really, like in the past, in the 35 years that you'd worked at the, at the paper, because you were the one who was keeping all of this stuff and keeping record and putting it into one spot. And, you know, people need to appreciate that because sometimes, you know, we look at our record books and I know uh, I'll look at it and, and Chuck Bailey will look at it and we'll like, oh, I don't know this, but let's call Blake because I'm sure Blake probably knows <laughs> well, somebody or already has it somewhere. Or I've talked to Dick uh, Zimmerman or, you know, right. I mean, yeah, that kind of thing. Right. Um, and if I don't know, I'll tell you straight off. Right. I mean, like somebody asked me, uh, Petrozelli scored with 10 seconds in overtime the other day. Was that a record? And I honestly don't know. I mean, and I don't know I, I where you'd the, find right, it. And you I know, said I mean, the same – I had the same question. I, I don't yeah. know where we'd find it other than yeah. trying to go back through every box score, which is like 5,000 box scores now. <laughs> you know I mean? It was easier to do for playoffs because I had every playoff yeah. box score. Yeah. And I could actually check. There was only only – 500 some box scores you know you could check you could go back and and if you could focus hard enough that long to go through and check everything so there are playoff records that we have that we don't have for regular season records and just when you think you have every statistic oh yeah something happens oh just that's like fun. with the petrozelli goal yes. uh, a few weeks ago in indianapolis i immediately looked at the record book i'm like there wasn't one in there so right. i i actually told him uh, the night day after the game like guess what i think you have the record because <laughs> but we'll never <laughs> we don't know. know we'll never know i mean you know and and it's funny because uh, chuck has done some research down there at the library over the summers and it's hard it is not easy yeah. to find that stuff you know uh and I had a huge advantage, two, uh, three huge, huge advantages. I had Bud, I had Eddie, and I had Bob. Now, if the three of them agreed on something, you knew it was gold. Right. Now, if Bud and Eddie agreed on something, you knew it was gold. If it was just Bob by itself, you were in trouble, <laughs> you know. But if the three of them, you know, and, they, and usually they could point me in a direction. You know, they could say it was this guy – and then you could go in the records and say, well, how long was this guy here? You know what I mean? Yeah. And when was he here? Yeah. And that kind of thing. So it's it's like a, a puzzle. It and is. It's, it's it was kind a great of puzzle. right. And it, it, it's it's really interesting. It's like, but you have to have the motivation to oh, yeah. do it. Oh yeah. I didn't have a life. I yeah. Mean, yeah. I knew that. <laughs> like I give you an example when we did the 50th anniversary team. Yeah. And Bud was gone, and 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 but I knew what Bud's team was, and so I just added in. But the puzzle part with that was trying to put each guy in a jersey that they wore and then use that jersey only one time in the whole poster. Right. That took a month. I mean, it was hard, hard work. And love, luckily, Kenny, Ken Dutton was just a fantastic artist to work with. Yeah. But trying to put each guy in a jersey they actually wore, you know, and 
the and 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 find the colors for some of those old black and white pictures. Right. You know? It was it was a challenge and a half, and it, it turned out so beautifully. Yeah, it's 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 just incredible when you think of again all the all the puzzle pieces that are still out there, and yeah. it's hard. To, oh you know, yeah. After yeah. all these years, that we could probably sit down and uh, you know what don't we have a record of? Let's go back and find it. And well, it, it, and some of them you just can't. You right. Just, there's just no way to know. I mean, uh, like Petrozelli's uh, effort the other night. I mean, you know you just there's just no way to know you know but going back into those old box scores how good do you think was the the accounting of everything i don't you, know you don't know you know like you here's an know. example is for years we thought merv dubcheck scored in 10 straight games right. scored goals and because that was in dick zimmerman's original records i mean that was when i took over i asked the comments for a, a list of records and i got this one sheet type paper from dick zimmerman <laughs> that had that on there you know it, yeah. it had it had a lot of stuff that you you're like what is that doing there and then there was a lot of stuff you're like why isn't that in there you know what i mean yeah. things like that so for years for probably 20 25 years we thought the record was 10 straight games and then um Konstantin Shafranov got close, and uh, and John Purvis had a had a good run at it. So Chuck went back to try to to double check, and he spent some time with Chuck Bailey. Spent some time. He only found eight games, and we had every box score. Yeah. So and you'd ask, I, we asked Merv, and we said, Merv, what was it? And he goes, Heck, I don't remember. You know, I mean, it's <laughs> like, and Eddie didn't remember, and Bob didn't remember. Bob thought it was ten because Dick Zimmerman told him it was ten. Right. You know, and so. We now think the official record is eight. But, you know, we've looked every game in front. We looked every <laughs> game after. You know, I mean, and we can't – we don't know where the ten came from. Right. And that's another mystery to actually find out where that – where the record actually right, uh, right. Ri originated. Right. And, 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 you know, you think at the you, – you look at those things long enough and you start to second-guess yourself. Right. And then you go back and, and it turns out – I mean, I, I have to – I had a mantra – trust yourself trust that you did all this research because i did yeah but then i'd still second guess it and say now is that actually absolutely right you know and then i'd go back and and nine, 99 times out of 100 it was yeah you know is that so you have to you just don't have enough time during the season to go back and do those but, but it would take me at the end of the season it would take me two days yeah at work to update all the records <laughs> from you know that season and you know, top 50 games played, that kind yeah. of thing. But a lot of times, since you did all that research, you were at a bit of an advantage. Oh, if you better believe if it. If something happened during a game, you could either recall it or like, okay, I need to look that up right away. Oh, where yeah. someone who just got into this is not going right. to know. Oh, there were so funny. Chuck would come down, and I was sitting next to Justin Cohn, who didn't have those records. And uh, Chuck would say, hey, is that a record? And I'm like, Chuck, leave me alone. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you today. How's that? You know I mean? Because you know? yeah. I would have it, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I would have that Paul Willett scored two shorthanded goals in 10 seconds and Scotty Gruel did it in 10 seconds. You know, I mean, I had yeah. that kind of stuff, you know, yeah. that nobody else could have. You yeah. know? And they're like, you can't have it. I earned this, you know. I mean, I earned this work, you know. Yeah, and yeah. So, and Justin would just look at me and, like, <laughs> You know, he, he was great about it. But, I mean, you could just tell it was yeah. killing him because he knew I had it and he couldn't get it. And, you know, it was like, that's, you know, sorry. I'll tell you tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? 
<laughs> well, I, I remember a situation last year. Oh yeah, where uh, Jamie Shaftsma scored a goal on a, an own goal. You know, shot on his own net. It's a delayed call. Puck went all the way down. Uh, and Blake and I immediately. I'm on the air. Blake turns at me, and I look at him, and we knew exactly what we were thinking yes. the last time it happened here at the Coliseum, and we both. We both knew it. We just couldn't figure out the date. We knew the yes. year, the team, but exactly the exact date, not sure. But, like, we both turned around, and we were both thinking the same thing. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> Daryl Williams, Brian McKee, off the glass, three quarters of the ice. Playing f the Phoenix Roadrunners. Yes, yes. And it was a diving call instead of a, sla a hook. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. And it's right. Then that's obviously <laughs> that's going to be a record. It's just That's how nuts we are. It's just <laughs> just freaks like us who are going to remember just moments like that. And I'm right. sure we're not the only ones. I'm sure there's a lot of people in the crowd. No, there's a lot of people listening to this podcast going, do these guys get paid for this? <laughs> <laughs> but the, 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 you only needed one out of five of them to hit to really make it worthwhile. You know, I mean, you only needed – like I, I remember I was the only one who knew when Guy – Past Eddie Long and, yeah. and Terry Pembroke for most games played because I kept track of that, you yeah. know, and that turned out to be a fairly significant deal. You know, I mean, there were things like that that you know I could tell. Uh, Chalker, you're, you're up to number, you just went up to number four or stuff, you know. Yeah. I mean, and it's like that was kind of cool, you know. I mean, yeah, but it was only you know once in a while those things would really become something interesting, you know. Right. Uh, or you could say. You know, when Frenchie broke the shutouts record for a goalie, you know, I mean, yeah. it just has kind of – there's a lot there, but the important ones were still pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So going back, you know, 35 years, let's let's talk about that. Bud I Goldmeyer. Had I had hair. You had hair. Yeah, I've had some too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so 35 years ago, you take over. And What's I, funny about that is there used to be a case of beer in the press box every game for Bud. <laughs> <laughs> and the first couple games I get up there, and, uh, I don't drink, you know, during a game. Yeah. I never would even consider it, you know. And the case would still be there. And everybody would come, come, can I have a beer? I don't care. It's not mine. I don't, <laughs> know what, you know, I don't know what the rules are, you know. And everybody, so everybody, the beer was there for like the first month or so until they decided they were, they were buying beer for everybody, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and they took the case away. <laughs> So uh, Bud, I lived down the street from Bud. Actually, uh, he used to walk around their neighborhood, uh, neighborhood all the time. So uh, you know, how long did Bud do it? He did it for he did it for thirty five. I covered for twenty eight. Twenty eight. So, but you'd been with the paper yeah. 30, 35 years. Yeah. So was it like? Uh, I mean, oh, it was scary. I said you were you were given it. and You had no choice. Right. It was intimidating. You know, I had a choice to take over for Bob James. Right. And you didn't. Right. It was intimidating, uh, because. I'd only been to a handful of Comets games in my life. I was, I was a hockey fan. Um, I wasn't a diehard hockey yeah. fan, and it, you know you don't want to screw up. You know right. you don't want to, you don't want to let down the standards that he set. You know yeah. I mean you want to make him proud of you too. You know and uh, and you know I had the, I I wish I was five years older when I took over because the first season was ninety ninety one. And that ga that year was so much fun, right? And I was too stupid and naive and inexperienced inexperienced yeah. enough to really understand what was yeah. going on, and uh, I didn't quite get it, which set me up perfectly for '93 because I was all over that, right? But it's like I wish I would have been more seasoned, 
to to fully have been able to right. enjoy 1991. I mean, I did. I, yeah. I I had a blast with it. I mean, I, John Anderson and Bruce Boudreau and all those guys were just fantastic, teaching me stuff and uh, not taking offense when I'd ask a stupid question or whatever. Or and Scotty Gruel and Chinner and I mean, all those guys were just wonderful to me. But it's like I wish. I mean, it was such an amazing year. Uh, you know, I I used to. Th- for you know, for five six years, I thought the Comets never lost in the playoffs. Right. You know, I mean, they always reached the finals. <laughs> right. You know, or or it was always going to work out. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was always they'd always go get a Scotty Gruel or a Max Middendorf or somebody that they needed late in the year, and that would work out. You know, I mean, it just I just took it for granted yeah. in that way. I didn't know any better. You know, and then um, ninety five, ninety six, <laughs> or ninety four, <laughs> ninety five, or I guess yeah, ninety four, ninety five. Boy, that was a rude awakening. <laughs> You know, but, uh, you know, I still, I can call, today I can call Bruce or John or Robin or any of those guys, and they'll call me back within a day. That's pretty much how Onto the Show got written, is all those guys called back, you know. That's uh, remarkable. And they just, and and it was fun was, we talked for two hours, and the first hour and 15 was shooting the bull. Right. Tracing memories. And then it's like, you know, the reason I called you is I actually have to do this, you know what I mean? But it was so cool. I mean, that was it was just amazing how Fort Wayne became a part of those guys lives and I'm not just talking their career I'm talking their whole lives from one season or two seasons I mean it it became a second home in many ways to a lot of those guys I mean they still they they still call the Frankies you know I mean it's not an excuse that Ben Boudreaux is an assistant coach right Uh, and I remember Benny running around when he was right when he was a kid up to my knees you know I mean or taking my knees out, coming down the ramp <laughs> on the skateboards and stuff, you know. Uh, it just was a special time, and I was blessed to be a part of it. Yeah. It did, you know, when it when it got to, you know, you, you, you saw the writing on the wall. I mean, you said it was a bit of a relief, you yeah. know, that, you know. But uh, was it a, a relief that, okay, I know I don't have to do all of this now, but – also, I know how hard it's going to be to walk away from it, even yes. though it was kind of yes. uh, relieving. And it's well, yeah, yeah. It, the relief was the job itself. Yeah. The relief was not walking away yeah. from the comets at all. That's not how that worked. Uh, it was the relief was I don't have to go home and get on the phone for four hours before I go to bed to make sure I didn't miss anything. Right. It was I can actually plan something on a Saturday besides the game or it's so funny because Shane and you know this as well as anybody your friends are like well, let's go out to dinner before the game <laughs> I can't I'm there two and a half three right. hours before the game <laughs> well let's hit the bar afterward I can't I'm working for another two or three hours riding and it just doesn't compute because people go to the game they go right. home you know or right. they go out or and it just it's not like that for those of us who work uh, around the team it's just it takes that kind of effort and that kind of Input, yeah, it, it just does. And, and you get rewarded for it, too. You really do. You, you get better stories. You get better relationships. You get, you know, uh, sometimes you get to do things for people, you know, um, that they deserve because you can make it happen. Um, I'll give you an example was Don Detter when uh, we got Bob the, the Lester Patrick Award. Mm-hmm. And Don – and I and Ed Rose had started with Ron Swartz 15, 20 years ago trying to get Bob into the USA Hockey Hall of Fame. And that's where all that came from then. And it's like it made Don's 
world. I mean, and, and right, rightfully so. He put a lot of effort yeah. into it, you know, and and things like that. It just it makes all the difference. Well, and, and you mentioned obviously you got a great relationship with a lot of players and, and very friendly with a lot of players. But being a journalist, does that did that change your objectivity no, at all? Not at all, because I would tell the guys um, while you're playing, we can be friendly. And if you screw up, I'm going to kick your butt. But after you retire, we can be friends. Right. And I can think of 50 guys that, that understood that yeah. and accepted it. Yeah. Rocky, Herzy, uh, just all those guys. Like Guy told – I asked – I really ripped him once. And uh, Guy said afterwards, he said, yeah, if we knew if you were ripping us, we must have deserved it. You know? Right. Because I, I didn't pull punches – but I'm not sugarcoating anything either. Right. You know, I mean, I feel like I was honest. Now, was I as mean as some of the fans would have liked or was I as nice as some of the fans would have liked? I don't care. <laughs> I, I, and I don't mean that to be rude. I yeah. meant that I had to maintain my standards that my dad taught, that uh, Bud taught, that Steve Warden taught, Kerry Hubbard, Bill Scott. You know, if I maintained that, I was fine. Yeah, I'll ask. I asked Justin Cohn this. He was on the podcast a few weeks ago. Who? I, yeah, exactly. Who's that guy? <laughs> yeah. And actually, that's funny. Is everybody yeah. thinks there's this huge rivalry, right? Between well, yeah. Justin okay, let's I, talk about that. Yeah, that's hilarious. It's like, yeah, you work that close to a guy yeah. for 20 years. You know everything he's about, right? And and Justin is one of the world's great fathers. Yeah, and I've told him that ever since Tabby was born. And I think he's a he's a great father. I think he's a very good husband. As I know of thing, I'm not married, you know, but I mean, I think he's a really good husband, just like you are. And I think you're both great fathers. And I mean, I just love that, that Justin would, on, when the comments were off on, uh, on a road trip or something, he and Tabby would just hit the road. Yeah. They didn't know where they're going, yeah. but they'd go somewhere cool and they'd go do a museum or whatever. And I just thought that was so cool that he <laughs> was invested that much in his daughter. Yeah. And I just think he's a wonderful father. Uh, but uh, as far as uh, journalist-wise. Yeah. <laughs> sure. But, well, I guess my, my point I'm going to make is that, okay, you've got two different writers, two different papers, two competing yes. papers here. Yes. You guys have two different writing styles, so oh, you yeah. had to. Yeah. You know. Uh, one was AM, one's PM. Right. Uh, right. By the time you read me, you already knew what the score was. Right. I tried to tell you what happened on during the game behind the scenes or why something happened. Yeah. Maybe it more – uh, and I'm not saying Justin, Justin's good at that, too. He just doesn't have as much opportunity. He's on deadline after the right. game, whereas I get to sit down and shoot the bull with him a little bit more. And, um, I, you know, and I, I always took great pride, and I tried to talk to the opposing coaches and players as much as I could, too. Heck, I'm the only guy I feel like who ever talked to the referees. You know, <laughs> I would call Joe Ernst or Dwayne Lewis in the CHL or Tom Barry even back in the day and say, can I talk to this referee? And they would trust me enough that I wasn't yeah. looking to slam it or whatever. Just I just was curious, why was that called a penalty shot? Or why was, you know, why was that call made? I don't care that you made it. I'm not curious. I just was curious so I can explain it to people. Yeah. You know. Um, so I had a little more time, and I tried to take advantage of that. And, you know, I'm always up there two hours before game time, and there's you and I and Larry and yeah. shooting the bull and, and having fun and talking to Fitz or, you know, yeah. talking to the other Mike Maduno or, right, you know, or right. whoever, you know, and <laughs> we just have fun. A, f a fic, you know, I mean, 
Oh, I mean, those were some great times. And, and I can already tell that you, you missed this terribly. I do. And I do. I know it's incredibly rough for you. I, and you've only been back to the Coliseum once this season? Twice. Twice? Yeah. Okay. And so, I couldn't stay the whole game. Right. Because right. I kept twitching. You know, right. I, but I, I, I got to write this down. I can't. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But does that you know change? Because, I mean, you're, you're a journalist, so you're not technically supposed to be a fan. But you are. I mean, this is. I, I, you know, I sat next to David Franke the first night. Um and the Comets made a great play to score a goal. And I'm like, man, that was a pretty play. And David says, you know you're allowed to clap now, right? Right. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I never thought of that. Yeah. You know, I, I just – it wasn't part of me, you know I mean? It's like I could appreciate a right. great play, but I wasn't right. a fan. You know? Because you're, I'm, I'm in the same boat because I think about – could I actually sit down and watch right. a game? I'm like, I don't think I could. I, I can't watch it on. T I can't watch games on right. TV. I, right. People are like, "Did you see that game?" No, I don't watch sports at uh, yeah. home. Sorry. Yeah, because that's kind of the last thing you want to yeah, do. Yeah, it'd be like if you were a brain surgeon when you go home and watch medical documentaries. <laughs> right. You know. Right. Or would you watch Chicago whatever medical yeah. show? Uh, no, you wouldn't. You know yeah. I mean, and it's just like people don't understand that because it is such a passion for them. Yeah. It's what they do for fun. It's not necessarily what I do for fun. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and it, it is it's a huge adjustment. It is just huge. Uh, I still have fans all over the place, restaurants, grocery store, church. What's wrong with the team or, or what are they doing or, or what are they going to do next? Or I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You're supposed to know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm trying to make a clean break of it. You know? Right. And, 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 and yeah, that's another point. It's like, right, where, where do they you expect like, me to know? And I get that. Right. I mean, for 30 years or whatever, I was the person who knew. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. I've had relationships that had trouble because people would come up to me and ask me questions <laughs> while I was out on dates and things. And it's like, uh, okay. Uh, I'll give you 10 seconds, okay? And this is what I think. And then, you know, and I was always kind of famous for, <laughs> you don't like that answer? I'm sorry. That's what I see, you know? I mean, and even if it's not what they see, you know, nine times out of 10, people want affirmation for what they think yeah. they see. Yeah. And I don't always give that. You know, I give them what I see, you know, I mean. Yeah. And so that kind of got me in trouble sometimes. But but it got to the point where there was dates that would be like, oh, God, not another Comets fan. You know what I mean? It was just, oh, but that's where you – that's, man, too, yeah. that's where you no, work I get your it. advantage. I get, I get I, it. No, I get it. I, I understood it. And I would have my mom talk to these women and before things got, you know, serious at all. And my mom would tell them they're going to ask you what he thinks about things. And they're like, oh, no, they won't. And she goes, no, really, they will ask him, you know, right when you're with him, no matter what the situation – you know what they what he thinks of things and they didn't believe it and then they'd see it and understand it and they didn't like it you know but that was just the deal yeah you know yeah. and that was cool i didn't have any problems answering i i i uh i mean i th you think about how many stories i wrote over the years about fans yeah and things that happened i mean i i, I looked at it as i was responsible for every bit of comet hockey you know that's how onto the show came about because I for you know I felt like for 35 years I was always trying to uh, put into perspective what Fort what the comets meant to Fort Wayne, and then it was like okay what does the comets mean to the hockey world, and that's how on the show came yeah. about, and there's so much there, I mean it's amazing how the comets reverberate throughout North America and even into Europe and and you know you look at the Olympics and you look at the movies and you look at uh, you know, the color barriers, all that kind of stuff. And it's just remarkable that 
this little franchise has had such a, an amazing impact on the world. I mean, you know, I remember Nick Boucher going to Australia. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, Bob getting uh, letters from servicemen in South America, U.S. embassies yeah. and stuff. I mean, it's just it, – it can – it's overwhelming yeah. in a lot of ways. And just to have been even a small part of that with uh, trying to – I don't know if I was trying to add to it. I was just trying to keep up with it in some ways yeah. and, and, and bring some context to it. Um, you know, and just it's really there's some really cool things that have happened with the comets. I mean, and it's and once again, in a lifetime. Things. Right. Right. And, and going back, you know, if you're not working for the paper anymore. You know, you're probably conflicted. Do I make that clean break? Or do I kind of continue still being that light in a way? Even though yeah. I'm not on the paper anymore, I can still be that I, guy. I had to make the clean break. I yeah. really did because it was too hard. Right. Um, you know, uh, there would be things that would happen. And I'd like, oh, man, I missed that chance. You know, yeah. Haji going back to the All-Star game this year, after yeah. everything he's been through, I was so proud of him for making it back to that level. And it's like, oh, God, I wanted to write that story, right. you know, so badly. Um, but I couldn't, and I, and I can't. And I'm, not, I'm, ne I'm never going to say uh, the journal should hire me to replace Justin. I am never doing that. Yeah. So, fans, please quit saying that to me. <laughs> that hurts me more than it yeah. helps me. I understand you're trying to help. Yeah. That does not help. I don't want to hear that. Uh, I, I I that will never happen, okay? It will never happen. I don't want it to happen. I would be offended if they they did that and then asked me. I would not have anything to do with it. I'm not doing it. Um, that's how much respect I have for Justin, um, and he deserves it. But I had to make a clean break of it because it was too hard because I had invested so much of myself into the team and the franchise and the history. I really had – the only chance I have is to make a clean break of right. it. And – and uh, I still dream about things with the comets, if that makes sense. You know, they say when you're learning a language, when you dream in it, right. you're good. I, I still have dreams about things uh, with the comets, which is crazy, <laughs> but it is. And I don't, I can't do anything about it. Right. You know, I mean, right. Um, some of my best story ideas over the years have come from dreams and things. Right. Um, so I just kind of chuckle at it, you know. But I, I, I really do have to make a clean break of it i mean um it's yeah it's just uh, it's the only way it's the yeah. only chance you know yeah. i mean when you're that much invested into something for sure. that long you know i mean i remember when uh i was so invested with it with the end of the ihl days is there was like four or five writers with us we tried to figure out who the coaches were going to be named for the opposing teams there was like five of us, yeah. and we'd all figure it out. And okay, we'd call the guy. This guy's going to be your coach. And he's like, how the heck do you guys know that? You know. What <laughs> I mean? And then it would work out because then when there was an opening somewhere else, we would know. And you know, we everybody owed you favors. Yeah. You know, that's how wrapped up you get into it. Well, and, and obviously, actually, you have friends who are in the business oh, who are yeah. beat writers. Yes. Now, Radio how guys. how many of, of those guys, newspaper guys, who who aren't writing anymore for the papers that you were around so often? Oh man, I mean. I mean, are you kind of like one of the last, the last guys? Kind of. Pam Shebist, uh with Kalamazoo. Uh, um, there's just so many. I mean, uh, yeah, there's just kind of. I mean, kind of from that era. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I was a young guy 
right at the start of that and you know um oh there's just so many over there and and now a lot of papers don't cover their teams regularly uh they don't have a beat person right. per se um, you know, um, and that's that we're very lucky. We had two for so many years, yeah, and yeah. even the fact that we have one, we're still really yes. lucky. I mean, you know, Mark in Toledo. Um, there, I mean, that's about it. I mean, Indy doesn't have Indy hasn't had one for yeah. fifteen years since John Banch. I mean, oh my gosh! And John died a couple years ago. Um, you know, they're they're just they don't have them. It's just not a priority. Yeah, because. They can get away with it by not having one, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, it's uh, it's just, uh, yeah, it's different. I mean, some amazing friendships, um, just fun times. But, but I had to. I I'm still in the process of getting away. Right, and yeah, yeah. it's it's going to take a long time. Yeah. Uh, so, to, on a lighter note, now you've got <laughs> you've got Saturday night open. What are you doing on Saturday night? Um. Oh, I take my little brother to the movies. Um, uh, I uh, I go to church. I take mom to dinner. Um, I don't have to worry about getting right to right. the game from church. Um, I'm doing some more things at church. Um, you know, it's just kind of like the option that I have to have to oh, do yeah, something. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of nice. Yeah. Um, I've been on a couple dates. Uh, you know, it's just nothing major, just having the option to, to kind of – enjoy Saturday nights like everybody else yeah. does you know yeah. what I mean it's it's just different um now would you uh obviously you covered more than the comments you covered all kinds of yeah. things so like next week is Becky Carter classic for gymnastics I'm missing that yeah the Bob Fry, the, the Bob Chase frostbite open for the sled hockey is right. coming up I mean I miss I'm already missing those and you did high school football yes. for years too I mean I'm already missing all of those things because it's in my my head, my calendar is like, yeah, I got to start working on this, you know, and then, you know, I got to get all this done before playoffs hit because I'm all in on playoffs, period. You know, I yeah. just want to be able to focus in. I got to have, you know, I'd have a list of stories for every month, essentially. And I'd be like, I got to you know, knock these down, you know, yeah. and find something new in a way to knock them down, too. It wasn't just this is coming up. It's like, no, I got to find a story behind it. I got to tell the people story behind it so not only you're dealing with kind of like the break with the comments oh, but yes, sport, sports writing oh, in general yes. yeah. you know you're dealing with that too so it's a double whammy yeah big time um yeah i i've i've i miss covering high school tennis you know i miss covering oh yeah there's just so many things that i was so into yeah and it's like funny because i used to get criticism at work because everybody would say well you're all over uh say ipfw volleyball it's like yeah, but I'm also all over everything. And that's yeah. the way I tried it. I didn't treat them all any differently. I mean, I, I covered gymnastics that way for 20-some years, too, you know, and, and high school tennis. And I still would have coaches call me this fall, even after we were uh, we were gone. And they'd be like, hey, you know, I hate to bug you, but do you happen to remember when the last time this happened was, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. And, and uh, yeah, I try to treat all my areas that with that much depth and intensity. Yeah, uh, so is it like a clean break from sports writing, though? I mean, was it something that you would still yeah, pursue? Yeah, in fact, um, I have the option. I mean, I'm writing feature stories for the Journal Gazette Features Department, and that is something I chose more than going back to sports because I didn't – I needed – yes, I needed to yeah. stay away from it. And I also – again, I did not want anybody to think I was looking over Justin's shoulder. 
was like, that's not what I would ever do, you know. It's like I'm not sitting – are you you, got, you getting the flu there? You catching a cold? <laughs> you know, I mean, I wouldn't do that. I'm not going to yeah. do that. And and so I wanted to be able to still write, but I didn't want that part of it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean and, – and I always looked at it like I could write anything because I wrote about the people. I didn't write about – I wrote about the games, but I wrote more about the people playing the games. Did you ever see the writing on the wall when it came to – you knew that print was going out of style. Like yeah. when the internet, when blogs came around and then social media come, came around, did you ever say, well, this is a game changer? Well, and, Maybe and the it, clock is ticking. And the newspapers did it to themselves. Yeah. Because they didn't charge for the content online. Yeah. They gave it away. And it's like, well, yeah, that's a great business model. I wonder how that's <laughs> going to work out. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I said that immediately when they started yeah. doing it and nobody wanted to listen. It's like, you guys are fools. You know, and exactly what happened, happened. And it's still... I mean, Gannett just laid off a bunch of people yesterday. It's still going to keep getting worse. And eventually people are going to – I hope eventually people appreciate what they're missing. Yeah. Because they can't go to practice every day. You know, they can't uh, talk to the coach every day about what he's thinking and what he's doing. They can't call the general manager and say, so-and-so got hurt. What's it look like? How long is that person going to be out? They don't get that anywhere else. They don't get that right. information anywhere else. And if the newspapers are gone, you're up a creek, folks. You're not going to have that yeah. information. Yeah. And you may think, well, that's just the one thing. No, there's a lot that goes into it that you're going to miss eventually. So is there any other aspect as far as covering the games, uh, the people? Is there anything that, you, other than that, do you miss? I mean, is it, do, you, do you miss just going to travel, traveling? Do you miss just going to practice? Just things like that. I miss... I miss getting there two hours before game time and shooting the bull with Jamie or Sean or, you know, Cody and hearing a tidbit and then seeing the game and realizing what happened and how it fit together Yeah, and not being able to tell that story. I mean, I really feel like I'll give you a perfect example. When John Shepler was passing away yeah, and Sean Sidlowski scored the game-winning goal for him. I knew that. I was all over that. Oh, my God, I was on top of that like a blanket. And I miss those kind of opportunities that only, and this is going to sound really arrogant, and I don't mean to, that only I could get because I put that time in, you know. Yeah, and, and right. And that, that I was just right on top and of it. And you were in, attuned to it. You, yes. You knew what to hear. And, I was right. on, and people knew. Right. You knew. Bob knew. Yeah. Scott Sprout knows. The Frankie, They. Those are the stories I want to tell. Yeah. You know, the stuff that I tell people, I want to write stuff that even your grandmother would want to read, not just you. Right. You know, I want to tell stuff that your neighbor might, wow, that was really cool and want to talk to you about because he knows you're a Comets fan later. You know, I want to tell those kind of stories. You know, I want to tell the human stories that people remember. I mean, I, I, I give this example, too, is when I say the Taylor Mills game, most Comets fans who are diehards, remember what I'm talking about, which was Pascal Morency scoring the goal and losing his mind. And everybody's like, why did he lose his mind? And it was because Taylor, who's had some birth defects and is a fantastic young woman today, and he scored a goal because he promised her he was going to score a goal for her in the game, in the, in the pregame, in, when she came through the locker room. And, and I'm like, why didn't you, idiot? Why didn't you promise her a fight? You could win that, you know? <laughs> and he goes, I wanted to do something special just for her, and he did, you know. But when I say the Taylor Mills game, 
most diehard fans, they can't tell you the score of that game. Right. They remember what I'm talking about, you know, or the John Anderson game. Yeah. A lot of people don't remember the score, but they remember what happened. Right. Or the ice scraper game, you know, yeah. the, those types of things that just tear your heart out. You know, want to know Joe. Nobody knows the score, but they know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, um, but did you? So did you have a favorite story? You've got no. so many, but is there one that really shines still in your mind? Um, maybe. There's so many, and I always used to say, "I hope the next one," but I can't say that anymore. You know? Um, <laughs> yeah. But the Jack Prindle story, yeah, was pretty amazing. Where I knew Jack had a story, I didn't know what it was, and I woke up one morning and I felt like uh, God had told me I got. I'm supposed to go talk to Jack. Yeah. And I heard how Jack was equipment equipment man for the he comets was equipment for manager years. for the comets. Um, he who had been a sniper in Vietnam was homeless, was an alcoholic, uh, lost his marriage, went through shock therapy to forget things, and he would stand behind the bench and laugh. And he had this. Jack was probably fifty, and he looks like he was eighty-five. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. he was he had a hard, hard oh, life. Oh yeah. And uh, and he had this cackle. And the guys would be like, what the heck? You know, I mean, we're going in overtime. <laughs> this guy's laughing. And he would say, boys, you don't know what pressure is till you, the other guy's trying to kill you and you can't see him. And they'd like, yeah, yeah, funny. <laughs> and then they'd just crack up and then they'd go play. Yeah. He would cut the tension and then they would go play. And there was a long stretch there where they never lost in overtime in the playoffs. Right. I mean, it was ridiculous. And, and the postscript to that story was I finally got to tell that story. Well, a year later, I got a letter from this woman in South Carolina or Mississippi. It was Jack's sister-in-law. And she said that uh, the brothers haven't, I saw your story. The brothers haven't talked in 40 years. I think it's time for them to fix this. And they did. And I was like, and I'm not taking credit for it. Yeah. But, I, you know, you, you never know why God's telling you to do a story sometimes, but you'll find out later. And that was one of those times. And that's, that is, I can't. Shane, you know what this is like. I can't, I can't thank all the former players and coaches enough that they trusted me to tell some of yeah. these stories. And I asked them to tell personal stories. And I would ask them, check with your wife, check with your folks, make sure that they're okay with this. You know, when, when, when Colin Chalk was going to become a dad, and he, wrote a, he talked about his dad and what a, a poor father he was and how he was scared that he was going to be a bad dad because he had this example I mean, you know, we asked them to tell personal story. The story behind Cody Soul's tattoos, you know, I mean, yeah. uh, we always ask. I mean, Gary talking about his Uncle Greg, you know, what he's meant to his life, yeah. you know. We always, I always try to ask these yeah. guys to trust me to tell these kind of stories. And, uh, and Blake wrote a story about my dad. So yes, yeah. yes, exactly. Yeah. And I remember how hard that was yeah. for you. But you trusted me to do it, mm -hmm. you know, I mean. But those stories, those last, those reveal. They, uh, they, uh, they give people a different understanding of, of people in the game and the team and the franchise. And those were my favorite to tell. I mean, um, you know, Eddie Long losing his two brothers in World War II. You know, yeah. Um, you know, all those amazing. Eddie, uh, Reggie Primo skating again after he lost his leg right. to diabetes. You know, I mean. All those kind of stories were just – I'm always afraid I'm going to miss one. You know what I mean? Yeah. That I, I, I'm going to not mention one that should be there. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just those are 
those are special. And, I, you know, those were the ones that, that I got excited about, and I hope the fans did too, you know. And, you know, I try to – that was my goal. If I could get excited about it, I knew everybody yeah. else would be too, you know. Was there ever a story conversely now, you know, oh, that, that missed the mark or upset somebody or – Oh, there was like all that. kinds. I've had players take yeah. a swing at me. <laughs> um, I'm not going to tell you who, but there was one time during the Greg Pahalski era um, where they won the game and I s wrote how crappy they played. And yeah. I said, if they keep playing like this and keep doing this, this, and this mistakes, they're going to go on a losing streak. Well, two days later, practice, and he took a swing at me, and Joe Franke jumped in, and uh, they went on a seven-game losing streak. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> There were some times where Pat Bingham and I went nose-to-nose. -nose. There was one time I, was, I, was, I challenged him to a fight, and I knew I was going to get killed. But I could not let him do what he had done. I could not. And uh, uh, the players said later that that was the bravest thing. They said, Blake's going to die, but that's the bravest thing I've ever <laughs> seen happen with a writer. You know what I yeah. mean? Uh, uh, and that's actually, that, that's, you know, we can liken that to journalism today, not necessarily sports. Right. We know what goes on as right. far as the war on, on journalists or right. wherever you stand. So, but you're also very outspoken on that as yes. well. Yes. You know, I, I, sports is obviously a vacuum. It's a little bit, you know, sure. it's not like the, the big, big picture. Sports is a microcosm still, of society. Right, right. But journalism is still journalism, whether you're writing about a right. politician or you're writing about a hockey team. Right. And any journalist, doesn't matter what you're covering, you're going to have that passion about anyone who attacks the free press. Right. And, um, yeah, because it's so funny because everybody always posts these things on Facebook. Well, the mainstream media never covered it. Well, how did you hear about it then? You know, 99 times out of 100, you read it in a newspaper. Right. Or, you know, Yahoo and Google, they are going to be the ones who suffer the most if, all, if newspapers go away. Because where are they going to get all their free content from right. that they've built their whole business models on? You know, um, yeah, there's a, it's, it is a it is a part of society that people don't realize aren't going to realize until it's gone well, how important it is you know um, who's going to expose the politicians who are corrupt or who are obviously they're not going to do it you know i mean who's gonna who's gonna keep things on the up and up right i mean who's gonna keep exposing things and keeping them accountable and making them do what's right because they don't do it themselves that's for sure you know, and I'm not picking a side either side of the right, aisle because right. it works both ways. Exactly. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. You know, I mean, you know, everybody says, well, the good old days were so much better. Yeah, you could beat your wife. You could, <laughs> you could abuse your kids. You could drive drunk, all that stuff, yeah. too. Well, that's all gone, too. You know, and that's a good thing. You know, I mean, medicine's come so far. Yeah. There are pros and cons to everything. So uh, going back to like, okay, you're, you're a fiction writer as well. Yeah. Is there a preference? Do you like, now, now that you have a chance to sit back and kind of look, all right, I'm not in the dog-eat-dog -dog world anymore. I can sit back and I can, and you've, you've done them both. So now do you have, wow, this, this fiction thing is, it's, it's nice because I can make everything up. I don't have to worry <laughs> about fact-checking and all that <laughs> stuff. There's, there's twice as much research into a fictional book as there is a non-fictional book. Because I lived the non-fictional. Right. I was there. You know, I have my notes. I have yeah. um, fictional. You've got to make double darn sure that uh, your continuity is correct. And you have to, like right now I'm writing a sequel to Lethal Ghost. And I check, I must have reread Lethal Ghost four times just to make yeah. sure I've, I've got things 
where I thought they were, you know, I mean, I've got Melody uh, uh, Foreman and I've got Angel Newth and I've got Andy Nichols to help keep me straight on those, but still, you, it's, it's a lot more work. Like, I can write a nonfiction book in a couple months, right. depending on what it is, you know. Yeah. Um, fiction books take a year at least. But, but knowing your, your meticulous manner, you right. know, do you enjoy that more? It's just different. Yeah. It's just uh, – Because you're at your own pace, too. Right. You're also working at your own pace. Yeah, and I, and I don't have a deadline. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's funny because Features in Faith got written in three weeks. You know, I mean, it just depends yeah. what – the mood is what the muse is what uh, what my passion is for for something um yeah it just I, I mean i don't know i don't know what's i don't know what i don't know what book is next i've got three or four other ideas too but that doesn't mean i won't get a, a completely better idea yeah. in between too. So, so how many have you written non-fiction 11, 11. so how many non-fiction, how uh, many fiction well there's three novels three novels okay and then there's Bob's biography and Lloyd Ball's biography, and then there's the rest. I would sports nonfiction. Right, right. But do you have a favorite out of all of those? Oh gosh, I know no. they're your. Yeah, they're no. like your kids. They really are because yeah. I don't have any kids. Yeah. Um, no, because I put every bit as much into each of them. But is there one like, wow, I really enjoyed after it was done? Well, I really enjoyed. Oh, onto the show was so much fun. <laughs> yeah. Because you know Bruce called me back and John called me back and Kevin Weeks called me back. And uh, I got to talk to uh, – oh, shoot, just went out of my head. Okay. Um, I got to uh, Alton White. You know yes. I mean? Oh, my gosh. Um, Brandon Faber, who's the now the PR director for the Bears, who was with the Blackhawks during their Stanley Cup runs. Um, so many guys. Scotty Bowman. I got to talk to Scotty Bowman for three hours one night. <laughs> You know, um, you know, all those things, they all call back. I mean, it was just so humbling in a way. I mean, there'd be many nights where I couldn't sleep because I was so excited because I'd gotten a hold of somebody finally, yeah. you know, um, and and gotten to tell their story. And, and they all they all had a passion for Fort Wayne. I mean, we take it for granted that this is a great hockey town. Nobody else does take it for granted. Right. Nobody else. Everybody else understands uh, West Macaulay. You know, I mean, yeah. everybody else understands this is a special place. Uh, and, and a lot of them miss it. You know, they miss what it meant to their lives and how it set them up for their, their lives, not just their careers, their lives. Um, and and they, know, they don't take that for granted like we do at all. And I guess that's – if anything about my career has been, I hope people take that away from it, that Fort Wayne and the Comets are so blessed, so extremely special. And I try to encapsulate that throughout my career and and put that into perspective and context. And I, and I hope I did that. Now, could you become a beat writer somebody else? I'm not saying, you know, yeah. let's say you, you didn't need the job or whatever, but if you had a call from somebody, could you come here and be our beat writer? Is it something that you could do, or would it be something like, oh, this doesn't feel right? I don't know. Um, nobody, that's not going to happen. But uh, hypothetically. Hypothetically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's not, I mean, yeah. it's, I'm, first off, everybody's cutting staffs, and they don't want older, they want younger, cheaper. Um they don't want beat writers like Justin and I do. Yeah. They want social media. They want, they don't want that. And 
I don't know that I could. I don't know. I don't know that I couldn't, <laughs> but I don't know that I could. Yeah. I never thought about it. That's a good question. Uh, one of your first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, did you nail that. <laughs> this is guys, that one down. That's funny. Is everybody's going <laughs> to, man, that was harsh. It's like, no, this is Shane and I all the time. I mean, you know, I mean, this isn't, you know, this was what we, this was part of the fun of it. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. knowing you could crack on a person right. like that and they wouldn't take it personally. And, you know, uh, it's just fun that way, you know. So you obviously you missed the camaraderie. Oh, big time. All. Yeah. You know, and that's part of the why. I think I've ended up at Shepherd's House volunteering is yeah. because there's that camaraderie there with the guys from who are veterans. And I, I noticed a lot of similarities, a lot of it. Like, um, yeah, I, I, I notice a lot of the same things from that house and locker room. You know, yeah. it's a, it's a lot of the same things. <laughs> they've all been through basic. They've all been through boot camp. They've all right. been through. Right. They've all seen of, it all. Yeah. They've, they've all, some of them been to war, you know, yeah. I mean, they have a bond and yeah. it's similar on a good hockey team. Yeah. And, and going back to the books. So everybody please buy some of Blake's books, <laughs> right? Here's our plug here and Amazon. You can get them right. Yeah. Uh, the bookmark on North Anthony has most of them. Um, that's about it, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of you, let's talk about one of your projects, the the Bob Chase story, which yeah. you just uh, reissued, tenth anniversary. I uh, had some extra chapters put into it, yep. and we'll we'll announce it now. We have been turning it into an audio book for the past uh, six yeah, months. Yeah, I let I let somebody talk me into yeah. that. I can't remember who yeah, or how. I'm not. Yeah. I think we talked each other into it. But yeah. anyway, no. I mean, but, I was willing to listen. Yeah. So uh, I mean, what a better way to honor yeah, Bob. I yeah. mean, you know. Yeah. So so I, I've been voicing this, and it was something that I was excited about because it's something I've never done. It's yeah. it's a new, and you're right that the perfect uh, topic, the you know, yeah. uh, the material was obviously right, and to have me do it, I, I thought was also very fitting. But I, think I was real- just waiting for the right person to come along. Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Seriously, I yeah. mean, you know, who else would have the like I follow Bud and you follow Bob. Who else would have the guts to? <laughs> right. I'm gonna I'm gonna dictate Bob's book. Sure you are. Right. You know. Okay, Shane, go for it. You know. <laughs> and that's that's yeah. yeah. You got you got guts. I'll tell you that. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I, it does sound good though. Yeah. And and we're working on it. It's almost close. It's almost it's gonna be finished here. Uh, pretty pretty soon uh so it'll be out but uh no what was difficult for me was well obviously not having done it you know i remember doing the first couple of chapters and i probably redid those 10 times yeah because a i had to re- realize i'm not reading a commercial and i'm certainly not calling a hockey game i'm, right. I'm, well, it's I'm a different different if somebody's it's life a different tempo a different yeah. pace a different uh, vibration yeah. i mean it's yeah. the whole thing yeah and the fact that it wasn't just you telling Bob's story it was Bob telling his own story and you yes. just put it on the page yeah. so if someone did not know Bob and knew how he spoke and knew his right. inferences and his root and and inflection on things you couldn't get it right so even all while I'm doing that I'm thinking Bob would not say it that way I've got to say it like Bob but right. I'm also kind of have to sound like myself but you know it's right because people person. are going to hear Bob's voice uh, right. through you right on this. yes right right uh yeah and I I totally get that I mean I just finished off uh, helping Betty Stein write her book, and I told her, she's like, what do you get out of this? So I says, Betty, in 20 years when you're gone, I can still take your book off the, the shelf, and I'll still hear your advice. Yeah. You know, And that's the way I look at that, this with Bob's book. You know, I, yeah. I want to keep Bob around. You know, I want to keep Bob relevant. I want to keep I want to keep Bob close, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm his minion, so he'll always be around because you'll always hear Bob 
and yes. whenever I call a hockey game, you you hear Bob. I so. still reach for the phone, Shane. I mean, I still like, <laughs> oh God, I wonder if Bob saw that. I wonder what he thinks of this. You know, I, I, I yeah, I just oh, I still do too. that. Me you know? too. I still do that with my dad too, yeah. though. You know, oh, I'm sure well, you both do. of us. Yeah. Well, and and Blake and I, we we lost our dads pretty much the same time within yeah. a few months of each other. Yeah, and uh, and uh, you know. Again, I go back to what we started earlier with if if Bob would be okay with something I was doing and my dad would be okay and if you know if Bud would be okay and Steve and Carrie like I don't care what anybody else thinks. Right. I really don't. And maybe that's age, maybe that's wisdom, maybe that's something I've earned, you know. And you know, if they, if they wouldn't have had a doubt or if they if they kicked my rear end if I did have a doubt, yeah. I'm good. Makes sense? That makes sense. And with that, we'll end this well, thanks, Shane. This fantastic podcast. I didn't know what you were going to talk to me about, and this was okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't plan for these. I, that's that's the beauty of these things because if you sit down with with questions, it doesn't it turns yeah. into an interview and that's not a, a conversation. Well, yeah, so. exactly. It's a yeah. conversation. That's how I like to do yeah. it with players too. I mean, if I could, I'd get them away from the rink. Yeah. To talk to them, you know, let's go have a beer. We can drink. I, I, yeah, I've been known to have one or two. You know, <laughs> only one or two. You yeah. know, but you know. All right. Well, that'll wrap this up, Blake. I appreciate it. And the fans are going to be very happy to hear from you. And uh, we'll definitely have you back on to tell some more stories. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Blake Sebring, everyone. And if you're looking for some reading material, make sure you check out some of Blake's books. Go to Amazon. You can get the whole catalog. A lot of Comet history is in um, the material there that uh, Blake Sebring has for sale on Amazon. Also, be on the lookout for the Bob Chase story coming out in audio form. It was a long process. Had a lot of fun doing it. Want to thank Blake for letting me do that. Also, want to thank Turner Watson, who is also going to have a hand in this as well. So, be on the lookout for a release date for the audio version of that book. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode. It was another great one. Blake Sebring, I want to thank him for coming in. I hope everybody enjoyed catching up with Blake. So that will do it. You have been listening to the Combat Ops Arena Comets Podcast. <laughs>